Hi, it's Joe. Hi, friends. Aislinn here. And we want to welcome you to the second half of Season 3 of Dinner Table Talks. We are so glad that you are here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair. Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it. Did you get your television show watched? I know you were under the gun. <laughs> yeah, it's that time of year. Watching all kinds of television. You split up your outdoor work mm-hmm. so that you're not at the height of today's temperatures. Good grief, today it was hot. You posted a photo of a thermometer hanging on the wall inside your hoop house. Uh-huh. 102 degrees? I think so, but that was in the shade, and that was not at the hottest part of the day either. Insanity. But I could feel it. Like, I could feel it on my skin. Blazing hot. So you come inside and look for good stuff to watch. Exactly. So when I see that photo of it being 102 degrees outside, can you do anything at 102 degrees outside? I'm still harvesting food and fruits, and I'm still harvesting a lot of onions out of the ground because I left my onions in the ground because we haven't had the floods, so there was no reason not to let them just kind of dry out, and now it's time to go ahead and pull them out. But I've grown a lot of leeks, and we've talked about leeks, and we've done recipes with leeks. Recently, potato leek soup. Leek mustard pork chops. Leek pizza. I'm enjoying leeks this year. I was out with my friend Faye the other day, and we're going to talk about her in a minute some more because we're going to talk about your food, the food we ate at your birthday party. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned to Faye that I was growing a bunch of leeks this year, and so I'm giving them to my customers. I'm giving them to my restaurants. We're learning how to use them, how do you use them. And she made a comment. She said, they tend to be a bit tough. Leeks tend to be a bit tough. And I was like, oh, interesting. And she said, have you found that? And I said, well, Joe's the one that cooks. And you cut them slender wise, right? So yeah, I cut off the frilly little base part, the, the root part. And then I cut off the top green part. And then I slice them lengthwise, wash them. That's how you make sure there's no dirt in the middle. I took her a handful, like a bunch of leeks. Yeah, I saw some in the kitchen just now. I wanted her to give it a try. Here, after we talked about this, I want my friends that cook, folks that listen to the podcast or whatever, try them out. Tell me, are they tough? What are you dealing with here? How are they meeting the expectations that you have of leeks? Exactly. What do you know about leeks? So she texted me today with um, how she had tried them out and she said, when I asked you if your leeks were tough, I had no idea of these little, the size that you have here. They're so small compared to the large ones grown at the supermarket. These were tender and really flavorful with the tiniest amount of seasoning. I split them lengthwise and rinsed and patted them dry. So you, so basically like what you're saying, right. split them that way. And then I put a tiny little bit of olive oil, the seasoning, all before putting it in my air fryer for, for about seven minutes. And then she got them all nice and crispy green. Mm. And she said that they were just like perfect little crispy green toppings to add on things. And that she's going to take the next bunch, because I gave her plenty. I said, try it out. Do a couple different things. And of course, she's going to make some potato leek soup. I think that's an important part of it. Me saying, okay, I grew leeks. They grew well. If I can get my timing down, it's like, I know I'm going to receive my leek starter plants in January. As soon as I get them. I put them in the ground, and then I'm pulling them out May, June, 
some, some of them even came out in April, April, May, June, July. I'm still pulling out leaks and we've got all these different ways that we can use them. And then I start giving them out to different people to try out for using in different ways. And they learn different recipes for making leaks. I suggested to my mom, take some of those leaks and use them. She's like, how do I use them? I yeah, don't know. She texted <laughs> me. Tell me again how you wash the leaks. I remember you talking about it on the podcast. It's funny because it's just an onion. It's just an allium. It's just in that same family. Well, the and leaks that I find at the grocery store are about the diameter of a quarter or even larger. Well, some of mine were that big. But a majority of yours were more like a uh, husky pencil. Mm-hmm. A dime or smaller. Well, certainly, like and the of ones course I gave... they're going to be more tender that way. Exactly, and of course they're going to be, I think, more flavorful. And anytime that you can buy produce from a maker, mm-hmm. from the farmer, rather than the grocery store, you're ensuring freshness. Because you don't know how long those have taken to get to the grocery store and what kind of schemes and tricks and things that they play on you to keep them fresh in the meantime. Yeah. And make them look nice. Make them look nice. Mm -hmm. And number two, flavor, flavor, flavor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to every single time you've got a bumper of anything Uh and then learning a dozen different ways to make it. Leaks this season on the podcast have been a lot of fun. Yep. Questions. Last week, I made that tomatillo avocado salsa, and you said the next time we run into tomatillos, I want you to copycat the grist mill tomatillo salsa that they make. Mm-hmm. I threw a gong in there because grist mill, and I don't care if you're from Texas, if you've never been to Texas or not. When you come to Texas. <laughs> or wherever you live, you've got a place this special. What is the grist mill, first of all? It's a restaurant in Green, Texas Mm -hmm. on the Guadalupe River. Yes, it's multi-level so that there's plenty of riverside dining. It's outdoors. It's massive now. It's been there most of my life. Yeah, your parents took you, my parents took me, and we have taken our kids with our parents there. And so the it's food one of those is places. excellent, yeah. and the sangrias are excellent, and it's a massive, huge place. They've taken over the whole yep. side of the river. They seat lots and lots of people every summer, ever all year. But yeah. like, I think about the summers because we'd be there for a vacation week. Live you know, music while you Memorial wait for Day an hour weekend. and a half to get your seat, yeah. and then yeah. a very American menu, kind of the Texas but like slant on their it. style. Yeah. So like. The hamburger with the queso on right. it, you know, and then the tomatillo verde salsa. Mm-hmm. It's chunks of avocado, chunks of tomatillo, yeah. you know, kind of all blended up. Maybe some green tomatoes. I don't even know. It's great food on the river, cold beer, great margaritas. And the thing about it is, is that you have to float the river in New Braunfels. Now, I'm really, really glad that I'm from Texas. So I got ahead of the curve and like I floated the river when floating the river wasn't that cool. Like when it was lit- literally a bunch of dirty hippie type urban cowboy type sure. floating their butt down the river drinking Before beers. Before it had been perfected even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like crappy tubes yeah, and yeah. how do we get back to where we started now? This is my parents era by the way. Sure. This is their like. Now it's a machine. Yeah. Now Texas yeah. has grown and in the heat of summer or the the most fun kind of vacation weekends people descend onto all of the rivers and tubing and it's become a machine. Yeah. It's almost become overcrowded. Yeah. And these, oh, it's, it's definitely overcrowded. And these quaint... I've outgrown it for sure. These quaint <laughs> little towns like Green, where Green Hall, 
one of Texas' oldest dance halls yeah. where I saw Jerry yeah. Jeff Walker. I think yeah. I saw George Strait once. I think I saw Joe Diffie there many, many times. This is what you do when you get out of the river. You've been floating the river all day. Yeah, you, you keep drinking and you go to the dance hall. You need fill your belly full of a hamburger, some french fries, some mm-hmm. queso, and then you go to the dance hall. I found dance. a copycat recipe. Oh, yes. For the tomato avocado salsa that they call at the restaurant Tomatillo Verde. I'm feeling very nostalgic for green I and know, the right? Christmas meal. It's and... just a three-hour drive. We could go <laughs> this weekend. No, we can't. We have lakeside plans, don't we? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that next week. Six average-sized tomatillos, two to three serrano peppers the size of an average finger. Start I bought with... serrano peppers at the farmer's market. Start with two. You can always add more. Some onion cut in quarters, some garlic powder, cilantro to taste, and salt. You're going to puree all of that in your food processor. Then you're going to pour it over your four to five avocados that you've diced into about a one-eighth inch square. Mix it up real good with lime juice. So good, you guys. I would offer you some gluten-free kind of corn chips to Mm. dip in there. Why don't I make that very, very soon? And we'll talk about it very, very soon. I hope so. We ate a lot. We eat a lot. In the last week. We're good at eating. But it's things that we've covered in the past from episode 1.06 or the sixth episode we ever did. We made pulled pork sandwiches. Yeah. I did that starting at 6 p.m. in the Instant Pot, had dinner on the table by 8.30. Yeah, it's good to kind of look at things and go, okay, what are the ideas? Because you know you're always sitting out there trying to figure out what you're going to make tonight. Right. Okay, I got to do something quick. Mm-hmm. Take the pork out of the freezer to defrost. Oh, it's ready. Okay, I'm going to cook it in the Instant Pot. Yeah. Then that's going to make us some burgers. We've got some good pickles we can put up on top mm-hmm. of that. Some fresh onions we can put Your on onions. it. And then you threw in a pot of yard-long beans and yeah. um, uh, black-eyed peas, which totally there, was fails. A, there might have been a glitch in the system Big there. Fail. But it doesn't really matter. It was a delicious meal. I made pollo con calabaza. Oh, I love it. I love it. My favorite. I can tell it's a very seasonal dish because I literally made it in 2.46 or one year ago. So if you're thinking of something to do with tomatoes and squash right now, that's a good dish to throw on. Also, yet again, these are easy. These are somewhat convenient one pot type of situations. That one definitely is. And it's also what we call on the show a dump dish mm-hmm. where we're getting rid of a lot of getting rid of. We're using effectively a lot of vegetables that are laying around the crisper drawer. But then something happened last night. Oh, it was something a Wednesday. good happened last night. And we, I like to go into town on Wednesdays. Wednesday is an eat out night. Yeah, because we go to the farmer's market and Mm -hmm. then I had decided I wanted to go to this um, interesting event. So we were, I was going to be in town. We're going to be in town. Where do you want to go eat? We talked about all the different places and then I was like, oh yeah, you know what? Um, Do you remember that I heard that Mr. Boyd, who is our favorite sushi chef in town, is back at the old sushi restaurant that we used to go to all the time to follow him. We talked about him way back in episode 1.26 and how once we met him and the conversations that we would have with him when we sat at the sushi bar and we're letting him feed us. Mm -hmm. Hey, just feed us. Yeah, we want the freshest fish available. Mm -hmm. We want high quality food we want the freshest cleanest best ingredients right so i want to be served food by chefs in kitchens that care about like the art of the food is important the diet that we're the clean eating the Mm -hmm. quality of the food the the food itself is valued yeah when we were talking about this just a week or two ago 
sushi that we had on the island. Mm -hmm. There are chefs out there that appreciate a customer that have a higher level of expectation. And once a chef that has that kind of attitude knows that they're dealing with that kind of customer, it's a joy for them typically to cook for that kind of customer. That's what we have found over and over and over again. Well, and I think vice versa for that, it's a joy for us of people that really care to have somebody that's willing to talk things out with Mm -hmm. us. And we talk about diet. He says he's gluten-free too. He pulls out these little leaves as he's making the plates up in front of me. And I go, oh, is that Perella? And he goes, this is Japanese shiso. And I go, yeah, yeah, Perella, same thing. I was like, mine looks gorgeous right now. He's like, it loves the heat. And I was like, yep, it's looking really good. You said you wanted some gluten-free soy sauce or tamari. Yeah. They had it in the back. Yes. And thankfully, because because we listened to this amazing podcast called Dinner Table Table Talks, Talks, we knew tamari was a Japanese version. It was funny because the moment I said that to the waitress, Mr. Voy jumps in and he's like, yes, I think we have some. It's gluten-free. You know, it's like a lot of places actually have what we want and would be willing to get what we want. But if we don't ask for what we want and we don't even know what we're asking for, the other side of it is, is that you have to go in understanding that you don't know that much. And sometimes I tend to be a little bit like, oh, I know too much about this. I know so much. I just need to prove that I know so much. No. You got to go in there and say like, I don't know. I've never eaten sea urchin before, but if you've got fresh sea urchin today, Mm -hmm. It's not like that stuff's going to happen very often in Corpus Christi because they're not having people walk in the door and just say like, oh yeah, like give me the freshest, most delicious no, no, fish. No, no, no. Like that's, at Nobu in yeah, Las Vegas. That's you know? on the contrary where we live. Right. We have very low expectations. It's difficult really to not please us is what the general population says that's here. That's that apathy And what thing we I have learned about. is that most, most, not all, most sushi restaurants where we live are getting the same fish off of the same truck, and I'm not interested in that. And he was talking about last night a really important part of not just the kind of fish, but how you cut the fish. Don't just start cutting Hacking. fish up. Yeah. yeah, he's like, he's got another chef with him now, and he was real adamant about making sure that we knew this other guy. Yeah. You need to know Jay. Yeah. He's here too, and he's, you know, he gave me some And he used to work at Nobu. Nobu, and he wanted to make sure that we knew this guy, right? He wants to serve us some good uh, sashimi, and so he cuts this amazing piece of tuna. They had said the bluefin tuna Let me back up real quick. When we first got there, they had their fresh, like... Chunks. Chunks that had come out of the special place that they get them, which we're not allowed to talk about. (laughs) told him we wouldn't (laughs) yeah so oh this is my new chef he used to work at nobu Mm -hmm. what you know which nobu and because you and i have eaten at nobu one time in las vegas and we were there for a convention spent an crazy amount of money on a meal and mr boyd understands there are customers that prioritize food experiences and oh yes aislin and joe are, are two of those people so this is my new guy from Nobu, and he's over there listening, and we're kind of getting to know him a little bit. All of a sudden, outside of what Mr. Boyd's been preparing for us, he lays down two right. pieces of sashimi. Right. Back to this well-cut concept. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is a piece of bluefin tuna, and it's the tenderloin, but it's like the center cut. Center cut. And it's like eating a very delicious piece of rare cut 
red meat steak, right. like a steak, you know? The center cut's a very sought-after cut. The belly's got the more fatty, you know, mm-hmm. portions. So when you have those fattier pieces of tuna, like toro, that's usually coming from the belly. And getting in with a sushi chef that can explain this all to you, you know, as you go is also a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a toro, but it was more of a dish, like a poke dish kind mm-hmm. of. And it had some truffle oil truffle on it. It's yeah, delicious. it was really good. Then we had a screaming escalar tuna dish. That's your favorite is the escalar. Honestly, I think I like sashimi escalar better than that even i just like i just want to go in and order a plate of sashimi (laughs) raw fish across the board and i want it to be fantastic fish that's what i want and i will chase it down all over the place i'm not chasing mr boyd i'm chasing really really good sashimi fish and i'm willing to try things that i've never tried before on the spectrum of um uh, yes, I eat all different types of crabs right. and clams and scallops and roe and sea urchin. Yeah, I, I I'll do want to go in because we have our favorite things. Mm-hmm. And on the sushi spectrum, they're not super daring. But if you've got a place like this and a person that's your guide who you know is buying quality, quality ingredients, I do want to go in and say that stuff on the sushi menu that I tend to avoid because it's just a little bit quote unquote weirder. Mm-hmm. Let's do that tonight a little bit and What's try the s- sea urchin. And, yeah. I think he gave us some clam one time. I've eaten some different things before, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then he just gave us some nice, really, some really nice cuts of the two freshest tuna. Mm-hmm. He had a yellowfin and a bluefin tuna. That was amazing. Some fresh wasabi in there. And, and I like the art of the conversation. That's why I go to the bars to talk to anybody. I mean, that's. There's something about being at the sushi bar, and anyone that is a big fan of sushi understands that. No, I, I'm chasing Mr. Boyd. I, I, I'm telling you. I mean, <laughs> it, he buys good product, and he makes it deliciously. And if I know who's doing that, that's where I want to go. They were talking about doing, what's that thing they call it? I'm a frocky, or I'm a, you know the word, right? Or, I can't remember it. <laughs> I'm a skoki. No, that's not Oki it. from Muskoki. Dong. <laughs> this is where I dong the dong. Oh, you just put me on the spot. But yeah, we'll have the term next time. It's like a really sophisticated, multi-course, small bite Japanese tasting menu. That you have to get a reservation for. And they buy the fish specifically Mm -hmm. for the amount of reservations. Omiskomi. We need to get in on one of those. Okie Yeah, let's do that. Well, what was it like waking up the next morning and having coffee and having a good morning kiss from a 50-year-old man? I think the biggest shocking change has been that you passed that vape pen over to me. And that has been the biggest talked about thing since you've turned 50. I've never talked about vaping on this show before, but I have been... I had to get on to you last episode while recording like three or four times. Like you can hear that. You're puffing on it while you're recording the podcast. Yeah, it had gotten to be a bit of a compulsive... Uh, addiction. A bit of, yeah, <laughs> my nicotine delivery system. And I have been, I guess, a nicotine user since high school with varying breaks here and there, a 10-year quit, a five-year quit, a three-year quit. But the introduction of vaping into it, A, makes it so much easier, B, eliminates horrible cigarette odors, and C, you can do it on the sneak, right? 
So five days into that, today is the best of those five days. It has been a bit of a struggle just because mm-hmm. that nicotine is a, it's stupid. It's the dumbest thing. And that's just one of the many changes that I'm making in this second half of my life. Willing and ready is my new theory about life. Yeah. When you're willing and ready to change something, you'll do it. Otherwise, there's no nothing you can do. There's no tricky way you can convince someone else to do it for you. Mm -hmm. There's no... When you're willing and ready to do something, you do it. That's it. You do it. And if you're never going to be interested in being willing and ready to get rid of something, you're never going to get rid of it. And so, yes, of course, there's all kinds of scientific proof and coding that tells us, well... This addiction lasts this many days, and this is this, and this is because of this, and this is how you're supposed to feel at age 50. You're like supposed to be feeling these pains, or if you're not feeling those pains, and you're supposed to be this kind of healthy. Okay, here's all the rules to like what you're supposed to do when you're trying to be 50. Oh, I didn't read that in any kind of article. I just said to myself, I'm never going to quit if I don't quit. Well, yeah. 50 is a big round number. Mm-hmm. That has hit me over the head mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But you've, and you've been wanting to change things. To quit. Yeah. yeah, you've been wanting to change yeah, some just, things. Just, why am I racing to the grave doing that stupid, stupid habit? I guess. Is that what you feel like it is, racing to the grave? I think it's the number one thing that people can change in their lives if living longer is a goal of theirs, yeah. It's the number one thing? Smoking, yes. What if you don't smoke? What's the number one thing? If you're a smoker, I mean, clearly. No, but what if you don't smoke? What's the number one thing? Like uh, quitting, for a 50-year-old man? Yeah, for a 50-year-old Belly fat. Man. Call it a 50-year-and-a-day resolution. That was one of a few. Mm-hmm. And then so we got to have a really fun birthday party out you here. You did such a good job. I just did mm. what we do, which is pull together a party. You did a lot of work, too, by the way. We had just take the spaghetti and meatballs. You did. A beautiful salad. Yes. Charcuterie and pasto kind of mm-hmm. starter thing. Faye, the one that I talked about that does the leeks, she's, her company is called Gourmet Faye. She catered that food for us. And then my mom made you a homemade tiramisu. Yep. That was your birthday cake. Was that cake. gluten-free? It was not gluten-free, but oh, she said so that sorry. if I ordered her some gluten-free ladyfingers, right. then she can make it for me gluten-free. And then I got... Paletas yeah. from an awesome paleteria in town. Mm-hmm. Paletas are popsicles. It's like a Mexican version of a popsicle. It was so much fun. I had a fun time on said, that make day. sure you get tamarind. Yes, and horchata. Mm-hmm. And they were making these with, um, they're dairy-free, which is fun. So you watermelon and then you get like cantaloupe with chile. It's and like a fruit bar. It's so much fun. Very So good. much popsicle fun. And so when I was going over there, I wanted to grab you up some some gifts. And so I went downtown and um, I was going to go to the record store because you like records. And I thought, okay, I can find something at the record store. So I had the palettas in the car and they were going to melt, but I had, I had them in the ice chest. I thought everything would be okay. So I run inside and then I go, oh, the produce store, right. which is one of the little cool stores downtown. And... I got you this fun, like, bucket hat. It yes. says Corpus on the top. Hey, we talked about hats just a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Bald 50-year-old men need right. a hat. I this love my a, new bucket hat. Thank this you. This is a bucket hat yeah. with, like, bandana print on it, and it says Corpus mm-hmm. on the front of it. It's Perfect. super cool for a 50-year-old 90s uh, yes. kid. I've never looked cooler. <laughs> 
then I went into the record store and I was expecting to walk in and Carlos was going to be there. And I was going to say, Carlos, tell me which record to buy. And Carlos was not there. And there was some kids there. They don't care. What he said I... he missed you by 10 minutes. <laughs> so I'm digging around. I'm looking, I'm looking at the new releases because I'm like, I'm going to find something in the new release. And I was trying to look for something that was like unique because it was like, okay, well, I could buy you a Depeche Mode album or right. I could buy you like an album of a band that I know you like. I don't know. I'll let I'll you take pick... care of that. Exactly. I'm looking for those outside on the fringe ones and you get the record club of the month thing. Yeah. So you get these fringe records that are fun and we like to listen to that. I found a Tom Morello record mm -hmm. and... The first thing I had to do, because I'm such a dork, is turn around to these kids and go, hey, Tom Morello, he's the lead guitarist for Rage Against the Machine, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm well, you've always one. told me like you don't know names of actors, actresses, bands. Like You can sing a song, <laughs> but you don't know the names. So, oh, I yeah. know all the bands, and I know the cool bands. I but expected like, nothing less. I need to crack that thing open and play it tonight. He's a fantastic guitarist, like seriously fantastic guitarist. Mm -hmm. And then I suggested that we throw up Godfather on the TV. So yeah. like the party movie we've talked about party before. Party movies. Mm -hmm. If you have a party, throw a movie up, no sound, subtitles, yes. And so what party movie is perfect for the party? My 50th birthday, your suggestion, The Godfather, was perfect. Yeah. So it was a fun, interesting, it was an Along interesting mixture of like family style dinner, mm -hmm. kid style palettas. We were all having a taste of some of the farm wine. That... Boys were in town. Your parents in town. Yeah. My... All the boys were here. That was super fun. A couple of my beer buddies showed up. So they brought fancy beers. So we're having a little beer trading thing over in this corner. Some I even high got school some friends fancy show up. Mead. It was a nice time. And we partied hard all the way up till about 1145 at night. You might have been sitting on the couch eating your last like midnight yeah. snack. On the night before. Because the next morning, I hand you my vape pen. <laughs> Your mom and dad are two weeks into Whole30. Yep. Two weeks before they started it, she said, do you want to do this with us? Mm -hmm. Which would have been a great idea mm -hmm. because of the support. Mm -hmm. Like, no, my birthday's on the 9th and I'm having a party. And then the following weekend, this upcoming weekend, is our annual camping trip with our good friends that they're having a birthday thing. And then I'm going to Hawaii. Right. So I want to do this thing. So I'm interested I, in it. So what I'm doing now mm -hmm. is a ramp up to Whole30. Mm -hmm. Severely cutting down my alcohol consumption. Basically yeah. a sugar fast with a mm. little blip here and there when it makes sense rather than every day. Okay. Here's one thing I want to say. Go ahead. A fast is a fast is a fast. Understood. A fast can't be a fast, but I do blips. You are absolutely correct. So it's not correct. technically a fast if you don't I'm Not going to argue with you. Not going to argue with I you. I think that's an important thing to say because your body has to actually change its conditioning. I completely agree with you. And so I think what we've come up with is that when you return from Hawaii, mm -hmm. we start Whole30. Yes. And all that I'm saying is between my birthday and then... A hyper-awareness of how I'm treating myself. Mm, good. When it comes to I'd love to sugar. See that. I love seeing that. Alcohol. When you eat. Why you eat. Mm -hmm. What are we eating? And I'm committed to that. I'm looking forward to it. But it also gives me time to research the Whole30 and the recipes and the ways that we're going to shift and change our cooking. I love it. I like to learn things about my body and how to feel better sure. in general. But the thing about me, and this is the willing and ready part of me, 
Once I'm willing and ready, I'm not going backwards. If you open the door to something that I begin to understand about being more well, being a better human being, being kinder to other people, if you open the door to a way that I can do something better and I'm willing and ready to do something better, there's no going back for me. So once I take on this sort of shift like this, we may learn that I'm no longer eating queso anymore. You know, like mm -hmm. that's what happened with the, the grain. That's what happened with the grain fast is that I found out that I cannot eat wheat. You know, oh, I've got a food allergy, mm -hmm. something that I'm eating, most likely dairy, but that is an unproven substantiated theory mm -hmm. gives me the puffy eyes, the bags under my eyes. Remember 10 years ago when we were first like hugging each other for the first time I think yeah, I said on, something like, think about it. do you eat mm. cheese? <laughs> Why? Because I was a little doughy? I don't know. I was like squeezing you around the middle and I was like, <laughs> do, you, do you eat a lot of cheese? And you were like, oh God, what have I gotten myself into with this woman? And the eve of my 50th birthday, you gave me a hug and you said, is there anything you eat that's not cheese? <laughs> Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. All right. This is a good one. I'm ready. Because I think we're past the point of the joking of this. Uh oh. How long would you last in a zombie apocalypse? A la Walking Dead, a la Night of the Living Dead, that kind of thing. A la, I don't know. A la Save My Ass. Well, we've <laughs> from got... zombies eating it. Okay, good question. I think munition-wise, we're good. We've got a property with a perimeter. We'd have to beef up the perimeter. And we hole up here in buildings that I think we could secure... And you're growing food. We'd also, however, be, I think, a hot spot for other survivors to kind of horn in. That would be, I think, our larger problem. I am so not afraid of anything. I'm going to live forever. Now, it might not be in this body. It might be in a completely different body. So I just have this whole different... That's a cop like, out from the question. How long would you survive in a zombie apocalypse? It doesn't matter because I don't care. Pretty much. Yeah. I have this theory that like, I don't interact the same way with the world as the rest of the world is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be like sitting over here in like utopia farmland and other people are going to be out there in the world getting eaten by zombies. And I'm going to be like, zombies? What are y'all talking about? I don't even watch the news. The night I turned 50. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>